If you're affected by anything discussed on this podcast or you just want to talk, please reach out to someone for help and support. You can also reach out to ManBlues via email at manblues at gmx.com, at manbluesuk on Twitter, or find us on Mastodon by searching for at manblues. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. On this week's episode, we're talking about mansplaining. Yeah, you know, mansplaining. So let me warn you before this episode really gets underway, I have made a lot of notes, and um, some of those notes are coming from scientific journals and so on. Sounds a bit highbrow for the usual kind of episode conversations we have here on Man Blues, so please strap yourself in, and you never know, at the end of it you may come out having learned something. So, you've all heard of it, we know you have, all men have heard of it really, because it's, we've all had it thrown at us, we've all been accused of mansplaining something to people at some point in our lives. So, it probably will surprise you to realise that the phrase mansplaining has only been around since 2008. I've been around a lot longer, so it's taken somebody to realise that this is a problem, to then give it a name, and then suddenly this name is being thrown at us. So, what is it? And trust me, the irony isn't lost on me at all that I'm a man explaining to the listener what mansplaining is. I googled what it is, and the definition of it is, is that it's the explanation of something by a man typically to a woman, in a manner that's regarded as condescending or patronising. That's the definition of it. I read that definition and my immediate thought is, well hang on a minute, most explanations can be taken as condescending or patronising. Because it depends on the person to whom you're explaining and it depends on your methods of explaining. It depends how you say things. Many years ago, my wife introduced me to a philosophical discussion about something called the traffic light concept. So when I drilled into that, I I couldn't remember what the conversation was about, what the context was about. So I drilled into it and it turned out it's called the four ears or four sides model. It was first mentioned by a German psychologist called Friedrich Schulz von Thun in 1981. He postulated that there are four ways of things being said and interpreted. So you have a sender and a receiver. The four levels are, as, I'll, as I say, lots of stuff to get through for this episode. I've made lots and lots of notes, so let's rattle on. The first level is called the factual level. So it's a statement of factual information. The second level is the self-revealing or self-disclosure level, where the speaker reveals something about themselves. The third level is the relationship layer, how your speaker gets along with the recipient. So the relationship between speaker and recipient. Then the fourth layer is the wish or the want, or it's also referred to as the appeal, which is the plea or the desire, the advice and the instruction. So I found an example which is from this wiki page, the URL will be in the podcast episode blurb as usual. The example they give is that there's a couple and one of them has cooked a soup and both of them are sitting to eat the soup. The person who didn't do the cooking makes the following statement. They say, there's something green in the soup. So. From the sender's perspective, the factual layer is, well, there's something green. The self-revealing disclosure level is, well, I don't know what it is other than it's green. The relationship layer is, 
you should know what it is. And the appeal layer, the wish and the want, is tell me what it is. But on the receiver end, the factual layer is they've heard somebody say there's something green. The self-revealing and disclosure layer is you don't know what the green item is and it makes you feel uncomfortable. The relationship layer is you think my cooking is questionable. And the appeal or the wish and the want is I should only cook what you know in the future. And the person then gives the answer of, well, if you don't like the taste, you can cook it yourself. There is a conversation that in some way, shape or form, you will have been in. You will have been in that conversation where you make what you feel is a fairly innocuous statement and it leads to some kind of counter argument or even an argument in and of itself. Now, I mentioned my wife told me about this traffic light scenario. So the traffic light example was man and woman sitting in the car, woman driving, man passenger, sitting at the red light at the road. And the man says, the light is green. And the woman then immediately has one of those four reactions. So the factual is, well, the light has changed. The self-revealing or disclosure thing is, well, I can see the light is now green. The relationship layer is, well, you should see that it's green. And the appeal is, oh, can you see it's green? What the receiver is, is like, the factual layer is, the traffic light is now green. Fact. Then you've got the self-revealing or disclosure thing, which is, you know, it's making you feel uncomfortable that the traffic light has changed and nothing's happening. The relationship layer is, well, you think that my driving is questionable. I'm not, you know, my observational skills are being questioned. And the appeal layer is, well, why don't you just drive? My wife and I actually had this happen to us, that I was in the passenger seat, she was in the driver's seat, and I just happened to glance across and said, oh, traffic light's green. It was, for me, it was more a case of, oh, okay, that's changed. And immediately she went into panic mode. It was like, trying to find the gears, trying to find a clutch, and off we sped at a kind of a breakneck pace. And I worsened that situation by then saying, why are you racing off? To which she replied, well, you're moaning about the light being green. I wasn't moaning, it was factual. That's how it felt for me. It was factual. So that's how kind of normal explanations can be interpreted. So what's the difference between mansplaining and explaining? So of course, everyone is now aware of how brilliant search engines are. If you put A versus B into a search engine, you will get a really good synopsis and overview of the differences. So I did that. It says here that while a man who is explaining might wait to be asked a question, a mansplaining man will jump in with answers before anyone has expressed a need for them. So while a man who is explaining might ask about the other person's qualifications or their familiarity with a particular subject, a mansplaining man assumes that the other person is starting at zero and knows nothing. It's the whole thing of, you know, you've been in that situation, you may have even done it yourself, unfortunately, and you've probably not been aware of it, but that thing that you learned about yesterday, you know, when you read that article about that thing, and then today you told somebody about it like you were the guru on it because yesterday you knew nothing about it and today you read the article, that sort of level. So basically it's just, listen to me, I've got something to tell you about this. And that's why mansplainers are upsetting so many people and rightly so, rightly so. But the problem is, my brain personally works best with connections. So regular listeners to this podcast, and thank you very much again for tuning in, they will know that I've got a million stories to tell, but all of these stories are triggered by a stimulus. This stimulus also includes my knowledge. And it irritates my son 
but I have to explain. I have to explain. I have to explain to him that it's basically it's like I've got knowledge Tourette's. So when he's doing something in the kitchen or he's doing something in the bathroom, I might just say to him, "Oh, try this, try that, try the other." For example, when he's trying to shave and he keeps missing out huge pieces of his face when he's shaving, and I'm like, "You need to try this. You need to try that." I get the eyes rolling at me. I get the whole arm being lectured again. It's not. It's literally just knowledge that I've got that I'm connecting it to that particular situation, and I'm just thinking, "Oh, do you know what I do?" But he doesn't necessarily want that. So that's the situation I find myself in with my son. He's just, he's angry about it because he just can't, you know, the knowledge has to come out. It's knowledge Tourette's. The story will die in my throat if I don't speak it. But the other side to it that I've found is that there's often an expectation on men to actually know things. And we're often asked to give our opinion on particular things. And then eventually you end up in a situation where you feel that where you are, that situation, that conversation, somebody at some point will ask you, what you know about it and inevitably you get into the position where you've been in that situation so often you're expecting that to be the outcome you're expecting to be asked to offer the knowledge because that's what's happened so who's to say that the reason mansplaining is now a thing is because we're living in a time where that is a culture that has been allowed to grow where a man will offer his knowledge because he's been asked so many times before and simply assumes he's going to be asked it again so when is it not mansplaining? I read on a website, as a general rule of thumb, it's not usually mansplaining if you didn't know that the other person knew anything about that particular subject, or you're speaking about a subject with which you have lived experience. So as you can see, it's a tricky line to sort of balance, especially when your explanation is received poorly and they've got the old your mansplaining weapon in their pocket because then you're having to backtrack and explain Ugh. so on the positivity side of things it was really really difficult to find anything that was sort of generic enough without being too specific and I'll explain why one of the first examples I found was from a gentleman who's clearly struggling to communicate with his significant other here are the uh, <laughs> Here are the positivity steps he suggested for stopping mansplaining, and they are as follows. Take ownership of the problem, apologize unconditionally, listen more closely, rather than make excuses, make it right, let her do it her way, laugh at yourself, assume you're the one with something to learn, and ask for help. Now the picture that accompanied all of these was pretty much man sitting on a sofa with folded arms while the wife was sort of doubled over and not looking very happy because obviously she'd had it once more explained to her. That's not how you do whatever it is you do. So this guy's given all of these things about how he can stop mansplaining to his significant other. So I did a bit more research. So I've cobbled together some stuff myself a little bit from this brief amount of research that I've done. So I think you need to open a dialogue with the other person to engage them. You need to ask them what they think about the explanation that you've just given and to seek validation for it. Was I right? It, does that concur with what you think, what you believe, what you've heard, what you've experienced? And sharing an experience doesn't invalidate you or them. So make it clear to them that your story was from experience. You need to ask the other person about their familiarity with that topic before you explain it. What do you know about it? Because this is what I know. And an explanation turns into a mansplanation when it feels preachy. That happens when there's an assumption that the topic is new to the other person, which was the point made earlier. 
So you need to acknowledge the other person's potential lived experience with that topic, even if you can speak about it with authority. So the suggestion here is that you turn to these following phrases like, oh, and don't need to explain to you that such and such and such. Or you can say, you probably already know, but I was surprised to hear. Equally, you could say, I'm curious what your experience looked like, but in school or wherever I learned. And then finally, the point that really sort of sits with this quite heavily is don't let a conversation become an explanation. A conversation is a back and forth. An explanation is fact, 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 fact. And that's what is really quite tricky. Do you know what? That actually felt as though I flew through that, but I'm looking at the timer on how long it's taken this episode to get to where it is. I have flown through what I thought was going to take ages for me to explain. It doesn't look that bad on the time. I've got a bit of editing to do, as you're probably well aware. Um, I like to cut out every time I say, um, and I say that a lot. I'm leaving that one in as a treat. So the outro, I guess, <sighs> mansplanation and mansplaining. I mean, I'm Leon Dex, and I hope I've explained that well enough for you. Thanks for listening.